So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. Well, the dynamic duo that has become Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, they have garnered plenty of attention from around the league. We know this. And you know what? Their defensive coordinator said something on Thursday that really put it all into perspective. It did, Sarah. And that's second-year DC Mike McDonald. He actually admitted that he didn't think Roe and PQ were capable of taking on, quote, this much of a role and workload, which is awfully impressive. Plus... Lamar Jackson has a big opportunity ahead of this weekend's matchup in Pittsburgh. That's right. I am Sarah Ellison alongside my co-host and partner, Bobby Trossett. It is Friday, October 6th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. So Sarah, Ravens safety Kyle Hamilton, he went on NFL Network earlier this week, and he had a hilarious response after learning of Roquan Smith's wife and kids comments for the first time while live mid-interview. I guess he's been living under a rock. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. You're going to enjoy that if you haven't seen it yet. And also, we're going to dissect, and it's going to be in a good way. We're going to dissect the injury report from head to toe, and we're going to give you the latest on Morgan Moses, which I got to tell you was a surprise to me. Yeah, things are trending in the positive direction yet again. We have all that and more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Okay, partner, week five of the NFL season. If you haven't already checked it out, Brooke Pryor from ESPN, a familiar face and name. We had her on the show for the Steelers perspective last year. She came on with me. We did a little solo one uh, on Thursday afternoon. So check that out if you haven't already to get yourself ready for Raven Steelers and a rivalry renewed. More on just the insanity that is this matchup and this game and how close it is over the years and the statistics that back that up in just a bit. But we'll begin with Thursday's coordinator press conferences and what Mike McDonald had to say about this second-level duo that he's had the pleasure, I'm sure, of just concocting, using in a variety of ways. And, of course, we're talking about Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. He was basically asked, like, are you surprised with how much they've taken on. Here he is. It's, didn't think if we were being able to do this much, honestly. Uh, we're putting a lot on their plate on a, on a per game basis, but I was, Zach and I were joking, uh, you know, this week and he goes, you know, they love it. They, you know, they want, they're asking for it. And, and um, I think it shows our trust in them and what we, what we can trust them to do on a per week basis. So uh, definitely a lot of credit to Zach and the and uh, row and pq to you know take on you know the weekly game plan what we want them to ask it to do and execute at a high level like you guys are seeing you know on sundays and and the way they the way that happens is just an everyday approach that they 
knock it out, out on the practice field. And it makes you feel good about calling things when uh, those situations come up in a game. What I love about that specifically, Sarah, is did you see him in the beginning? Like he was trying to form his words. He probably didn't want to over-exaggerate it. But at the same time, it was actually pretty genuine. You could tell like, yeah, this is kind of like very surprising how much these two dudes have taken on. And yet there, there's no fear. Like there, there's a willingness there. And I feel like Roquan sets the tone, but it just seems as if both of these guys, for as explosive and successful as they've been on the field, schematically speaking and, and playmaking wise, I think you could probably say the same about the things we don't get to see. And that's what they do in the meeting rooms. Yeah, well, not only do I does it say something about their willingness to do it, I bet they're having a blast. You know what I mean? How awesome yeah. is it to have a coordinator or a coach that you love playing for because it's almost this give and take? To see Mike McDonald even a little bit surprised, that to me says that he's collaborating, right? He named a couple of the people that he's collaborating with. He's got, you know, Zach in there, a former Ravens linebacker as a coach there. And then you've got Roquan who's and PQ, who I'm sure are not, you know, quiet guys, you know, yeah. in the in the linebacker room. And so they've got to love it. I mean, these are grown men that have been playing football for all these years. And so to find new ways to have fun, you know, I just wanted to pull one kind of like film, you know, study of what they do. Look at this fun stunt that M Mike McDonald put in there. At first is like Roquan trying to get through the line to the right. And then all of a sudden he has... Uh, PQ running in through basically it's a sports uh, or close to the same gap but after they already totally committed to stop you know PQ Roquan can go back in on on another stunt and that video uh, was via Ben Fennell there but it's just like all you know and then you see it in coverage too it's like one minute they're dropping back one minute they're one person's rushing the quarterback next minute it's the next one on that one it was both of them and they're playing off of each other it, it's stopping the run and it must be, not only is it fun for the players, but I think it's probably fun for Mike McDonald because it's like, you know, I can like keep playing around with these guys because every time I throw something new out, they rise to the occasion. Uh, that was the body language that I picked up on. He seems like he's having a good time. That little smirk <laughs> yeah. there in the beginning. What we've enjoyed and, and certainly had a good time watching is these two guys dropping back in coverage. Who would have thought? And that's something that actually Mike was asked about in somewhat of a joking fashion about how Roquan's been versatile enough to do that for him. Uh, I think he's always been a really good cover guy. You know, um, he, he see, I think I think what how we, he wants to play the routes and how he's done it versus how he's done it in the past has been a little bit of an evolution, and that's definitely probably crystallized over time now. Um, but I don't I don't I, I wouldn't say it's improved. I'd say it's steadily been really really good. Both of these two dudes, they're they're willing, able. And they've had an impact on the game in that second, third level. It's funny because Roquan is such an enforcer. Enforcer, he's so physical that, like, the first thing that it's it's not like coverage is the first thing that jumps off in your mind when you think of Roquan. You think of him as this physical enforcer, and those types of guys. I don't normally think of like running in coverage, but remember we had him on the show. We were like, "Hey, who's faster?" Because PQ, you do think of as you do think of his speed, you know, and that you should be able to keep up on these routes. But Roquan's like, no, within 20 yards, I'm the fastest, you know? He's like, nobody can keep up with me. So yeah, no, Roquan, Roquan's like one of those guys that like, uh, he's one of the few players in the league that on defense, he's not just a star. He's probably one of the best players in the league, but like 
it's hard, I feel like, to be a defender that completely can change a game. You usually think of quarterbacks that can do that, maybe a dynamic wide receiver who can make, you know, acrobatic catches, but like Roquan changes games. He changes teams. And I just feel like it's such a hard thing to do on on a defense where you have so many people that are cohesive. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's just <laughs> I just I love him all over the field. He's gonna be all over the field, you would think, in this next chapter of the rivalry that's going to be renewed this weekend in Pittsburgh, and that's something that Mike McDonald talked about as well. Very short, very sweet, but also this is this pretty pointed. Man, a lot of thoughts. Um, th- th- this 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 organization, is, this game is defined by how, how you are as a Raven is defined in this game. You know, leave it at that. <laughs> Just leave it at that, Mike. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like this, and it's what Roquan said earlier this week. He was like, I'm not a Raven this season until I beat the Steelers. Absolutely. More on that rivalry, as promised, in just a bit. But before we move on, and this is the perfect segue into uh, Lamar and whatnot and what the opportunity that he has in front of him going into this weekend. But it's it's Todd Munkin talking about what we discussed earlier this week, and that is what's night and day between this year and last year. And that's the red zone production. That's the red zone efficiency and ultimately how much success they're having as a group inside the 20. We shared with you the numbers just in terms of how dominant and successful Lamar has been, uh, but we haven't heard yet from Todd's perspective in terms of how he's getting these results until Thursday. Well, it's players. I mean, it's, um, I shouldn't say, I mean, obviously it's, it's all collectively. It's, I think we've done a good job as a staff scheming it. Um, we've had players make plays. You know, you, you think of all the different, you know, we had a couple of third down conversion touchdowns against Cincinnati that were huge in terms of a three-point win. Um, you know, obviously Lamar adds a different element. Um, other teams at times down there to give themselves a chance to run the ball will go wildcat. Well, we don't have to go wildcat. Um, that doesn't mean we want to do that all the time, but he adds a different element uh, that allows for a defense to have to play for, and you're, you're seeing that in terms of coverage structure. But coaches have done a good job scheming it. The staff has. Uh, the players have done a great job executing it. You can always assume. Remember many moons ago when everybody thought that maybe, just maybe, this new Todd Munkin-led offense would not really feature Lamar's legs in the ground game <laughs> and what he's made a career off of and everything. Uh, not so fast. PFF put together through four weeks the most 10-plus yard runs this season, Sarah. And Christian McCaffrey, the superstar out in San Fran, leads the group with 14. Bijan Robinson is third with 10. And look who's nestled in there right in the middle. Lamar Jackson with 11 of those. I know it's just one stat, but what I've really enjoyed from Todd is that it has been a very, very um, diversified attack. And the way that he's deploying Lamar is showcasing him as a full football player, not just what we've seen uh, electric- electricity-wise on the ground. You know, It's, it's really been a, a full hodgepodge worth of showcasing Lamar. You know, it's interesting because I think you and I knew that they weren't going to abandon running. It's always going to be whatever the defense gives you. That being said, I did think that the Ravens would have a little bit more in the passing game. Now, don't get me wrong. They're extremely efficient passing. 
And if there's anything else, if there's anything that you care, should care most about is that you're efficient while passing. Yeah. That being said, there have not, Munkin, we didn't pull the soundbite, but Munkin did acknowledge that he wants to throw more downfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, and you know, he was asked why that was, and he was correct in saying that it's a few different factors. Uh, he always points to himself first, which I love that about this team. Lamar does the same thing. Everybody does that on, the, on this team. I love that. But he's like, well, first, okay, it's, it's the play caller. Second, um, you know, he, anyway, he went through a ton of things. One thing he didn't say, which is true, but he doesn't want to use it as an excuse is he hasn't had his wide receivers, you know, in the last three games, really since the, the you know, the first game, the second game, uh, Bateman and, and uh, OBJ went down. But I was happy that he acknowledged it because it's clear to me that he still wants it. He wasn't like giving excuses. He was answering a question of why it's happening so far. He wouldn't talk about the, the injuries, but I like, because I think the Ravens are still, uh, I think they're around 29th in the league of passes of 10 yards or more. Um, now when they've hit them, they've hit them. They've been really successful. Like Lamar has been accurate down the field when they've gone for it, but they just haven't been able to go for it as much. And I'm happy to hear that Munkin, that's still on his radar and it's still his mission. Let's get into the opportunity that Lamar has in front of him going into Pittsburgh. And we'll begin with some stats that have been compiled by Ravens PR just to tell us what we already know about the insanity that is this rivalry and the parody and the competition and the close games. 18 of the 30 regular season games between these two, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, since 08, the year that Harbs was hired, they've been decided by three or fewer points. <laughs> 18 <laughs> of the 30 games have been decided by three or fewer points, and 24 have been one-score affairs. Baltimore is 3-1 and one for the 10th time during Harbs' 16 seasons, but in the all-time Baltimore-Pittsburgh series, the Steelers lead the regular season count 30 to 24, going three and one in the playoffs. They do have that over the Ravens. But under Harbs, Baltimore is 15 and 18, including the playoffs. Uh, the two rivals split the 2022 series with each winning on the road. So, anyway, just the, the, the top of that statistic is just insane. And you get the sense that here we go again. Yeah, the Ravens are favored by what, four points or so? I think it's changing between four and four and a half. And we all know that it has the potential of being low scoring, but I wanted you to pull up what you put some time into today after getting inspired by Jeff Cerebic's piece on The Athletic. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll pull that up now and let you take it from here. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of small print. It's just, to, I, I mean, I'll go through it all. But yeah, I was inspired by Jeff. Lamar has a, has a big opportunity. His record against AFC North teams is fascinating to me. We all know because we've been like celebrating it over the last couple of weeks Lamar has absolutely dominated the two Ohio teams throughout his career, right? We know he's seven and one against the Bengals as a starter. And then he's seven and two against the Browns as a starter. Remember though, one of those losses, he went out in the first, first quarter because that's when he was injured. So basically seven and one against both the Browns and Bengals in his career. Mm -hmm. Steelers. It's a different story but it's it's fascinating because he just hasn't been available. Like it's interesting to me that his injuries have seemed to usually occur around Steelers week. And you're just like, you know, you want it. It's Steelers. We're feeling it this whole week. 
it's still the rivalry. It, it, it still is. It's just so much. They're just two storied franchises that have success. So Lamar has only faced the Steelers um, three times as a starter. So the last time he played them was their first game in 2021. Okay, so he had missed three consecutive games. He's missed five of their last seven meetings. So how do you even get a rivalry going when it's with, with Lamar in the middle of it? So, yeah, the last time he beat Pittsburgh was in 2019. Yeah. That was week five. Yeah. That's the last. So that was like the 14-2 and two year. But since 2019 is the last time he beat him. And, I mean, the numbers go with it, too. Uh, he's had really good quarterback ratings. I won't go through all of it. He's had a good touchdown to interception to fumble loss uh, kind of ratio against the two Ohio teams. But then against the Steelers, he's had four touchdowns in his career versus six interceptions and two lost fumbles. Bobby, I'm telling you, this is the only opponent in his whole career where he's had more turnovers than he's had touchdowns. The only opponent. Then he's had a career quarterback rating of 67.4 against the Steelers. That is his lowest quarterback rating against any opponent. Yep. So, like, this is it. I'm excited. Finally, Lamar's healthy. We're, we'll go through the injury report, but his, uh, his supporting cast is increasingly getting healthy. I doubt that they're all going to be out there. But uh, he's, as we pointed out, is leading the number one red zone offense, has the highest completion um, percentage of his career right now second best in the league right now i think this is his opportunity to start changing the story and be like no it's not just the ohio teams it's the entire afc north i like his chances of coming out victorious but i'm excited to see a healthy lamar against these Steelers. yeah they might be the only team league-wide that's had his number you know i mean he's just been so dominant especially against nfc teams that this is sort of uncharted water. So he's got a big opportunity to kind of change the narrative, buck the trend, if you will, this upcoming weekend in Pittsburgh. Of course, I'm going to have pregame coverage across all of our platforms at 12 noon on Sunday. And then Sarah and I, of course, will be live streaming uh, as soon as this one finishes up Sunday, which is typically around the 5 o'clock hour or so. There's going to be a lot going on, too, in terms of this weekend, which we'll get to in a little bit, just in the Baltimore area between postseason, concerts, all kinds of stuff. So if you're in the area... Be on the lookout for an update there, just logistically speaking, especially if you're going to the Orioles game on Saturday. Before we get to a full look at the injury report from Thursday, I thought this was pretty funny. Kyle Hamilton went on the Rich Eisen show, and Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network was filling in for Rich, and he brought up what he's most certainly, Sarah, I can pretty much confidently tell you this, that Andrew got nothing wrong with the guy, but there's no there's no way that he watched the interview. He read the transcript of Roquan, right? And this is this is me. It's making an assumption. But you tell me after you listen to this what you think if he actually has watched it. Because to me, his producer gave him a script. He read the quote from Roquan. And that's literally, if you go back to last week, how we got here in the first place. So let's talk about that after. But really, the reason I bring it up is because Kyle Hamilton's pretty funny. As yeah. Roquan Smith um, said this week that he wants to, quote, I want to get this right, beat their tail in front of his wife and kids like he did last week? I actually 
did not know that quote existed, but um, kind of funny. But yeah, wait, wait, I mean, wait hold on, back up, Kyle. You, you did not hear last week what Roquan said after he said it. Come on, I, I did not, uh, honestly. Okay, so he said what again? So this was a big deal in Cleveland. Clearly, you went into Cleveland and and beat their tails. But Roquan was on the podium last week. You know, right outside there as you guys always do the podium for the local media. And he said, we're going to go into the dog pound. I guess they call it the dog pound. He had a smile on his face. He said, like, I, I, I consider myself a dog. I think we're all dogs here on this defense. You're going into another man's house. And, you know, when you go into another man's house, another man's stadium, uh, and here's the quote. He said, you want to beat their tail in front of his wife and kids. And that became like a bulletin board thing in Cleveland. But clearly it did not matter because you went in there and did exactly what he described. Yeah, um, that sounds about right for Roquan. <laughs> um, but uh, now I'm hearing that, yeah, I mean, it, it gives ourselves motivation when we hear stuff like that. Um, and like you said, at the same time, it gives the other team motivation. But at the end of the day, it's about who comes out on Sunday and plays the best, executes the best, and most physical. So last week we went out and we proved that. We got to do the same thing this week. Kudos to Kyle. I mean, he was so caught off guard. I thought he responded so well. It shows you, Sarah, how locked in these guys are. I mean, Kyle's probably not on social media right now. He's off to a great start, obviously. Just look at the Colts game. But I just found it funny because not only did Kyle handle it well, uh, but but that is kind of Roquan. Like, he wasn't surprised in the slightest. Once he actually, like, processed what he was hearing, he's like, oh, yeah. That sounds like that sounds about right. (laughs) I just it's hilarious to me that like this is becoming like national news and the guys in the Browns locker room is like, no way he said that. No way he said that. And like, okay, you know, that's bulletin board material. The whole country's talking about on these national shows. (laughs) And Hamilton's like, what's that now? What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, like, I have no clue what you're talking about. So I definitely think it's authentic that Hamilton had no clue. Um, now, listening to Siliciano, I think he did. I think he did see it and not just read it because he like pointed out that Roquan was smiling while he said it, which you can only you can you don't get that through a transcript. And then I thought he gave good context to it, like when he went back around to explain it, because he, he went to the heart of the quote at first to Hamilton, assuming he knew about it. When he did, I thought he explained it within context. He was smiling. He's saying, you go into the man's home, meaning the stadium, giving that kind of context. And then saying, you know, when you go to another man's stadium and their home, then yeah, you're in front of their wife and kids and it beats their tail. Like, I, don't, I didn't have a problem with how he presented it. And I, and, and I think he may have watched it. A producer can always let you know that Roquan smiled. <laughs> yeah, but what's but, but I guess like what are you trying to say about it? Like, you think he was unfair about something or what? Well, I just when you what happened last week from my vantage point was just that since the words were taken out of context, my thought was that Roquan, and this is kind of what he confirmed with us on the show, was that he was trying to put himself in Cleveland's shoes as the enemies coming in, right? And it's your job to essentially, you know, protect your livelihood or whatever. And so I just think that got completely taken out of context as if that was Roquan's mission. He's going to go there and his goal is to to beat these guys in front of their 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 wives and kids. I just felt like it was a little bit um it felt a little bit more macro than micro to me, but I don't think he had any will. Obviously, 
had no yeah. ill will, but no, but anyway. that, that's a good point. That is like last week. It was like, Oh, he's, he's trying to be disrespectful by saying we're going to go like, that was his mission was to embarrass men in front of his families. Right. Yeah. When really it was like kind of sitting facts, but I don't think that's how Andrew presented it here. I don't think I felt like he gave pretty good context. We could go on and on yeah. with this one. So for, for our, for <laughs> our viewers' sake, <laughs> for our viewers' sake, we'll we'll continue on. And and here is the injury report as of Thursday evening, released by the team. Jalen Armour Davis and Rashad Bateman were both full participants. They've both been dealing with respective hamstring setbacks. Obviously, most notably is that Rashad could be trending towards playing for the first time in a couple weeks, which is awesome. Odell Beckham Jr. has been limited so far Wednesday and Thursday with that ankle. Justice Hill, Marlon Humphrey, and Morgan Moses all were limited on Thursday. But Sarah, after a DNP on Wednesday, Morgan Moses returns. Perhaps because he has been, oh man, he has been a staple. The epitome of durability over his career. right? He's he's not some crazy all-pro right tackle, but he is available. That has has been his calling card. Bobby, he has not missed a game since his rookie year, and he's like, what, like a 50th year veteran? You know what I mean? Like, he's yep. been around a while, and he hasn't missed a game since his rookie year. So that's a tough dude right there. And you get the sense that it ain't going to be this week. We'll see <laughs> yeah. if he <laughs> Or he's fighting. It. He's fighting against it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Adafe Owe and Daryl Worley were the only DNPs on Thursday. Adafe with the ankle, Daryl with the shoulder. Ronnie Stanley, back-to-back days as a full participant, which is a great sign for him. He later caught up with local reporters in the locker room and said that he's got a chance, that there is a chance that no, he'll he be good said, to go. He said there's a strong possibility. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. He was, was he had he had stronger words. Strong possibility. That's what Jeff, yes. that's right. Jeff Zerebeck tweeted that. Okay, thank you. So, so hopefully that is in line and not just gamemanship. <laughs> and hopefully he's ready to go. And then Marcus Williams, who came back last week, he was sort of the big surprise, right, with that pectoral issue earlier on in the season. He's been a full participant back-to-back days. Anything jump out at you that we haven't already mentioned? I mean, no. I mean, uh, I really do think because the Ravens didn't sign a tackle, I think they're feeling decently good about both Moses and Stanley. Harbaugh, and this is the new Harbaugh, which is fine with me. He didn't give any updates on Moses. So we're purely, this is based on, he didn't, instead of him saying, hey, it wasn't serious. He just said, hey, I'm not, you know, we're evaluating it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel good about one or both of those tackles playing. I feel good about Bateman playing. I feel I, there, I don't think Marlon Humphrey's going to play. Uh, I feel pretty good about Marcus Williams playing. Yeah. So all I know is, man, that's this is like it's so funny because the list is super long, but you feel good about it because it's so many guys returning. Yep. yep. Yeah. And here is just what's going on on the other side as well. Pittsburgh, the the two that are really worth highlighting here. Well, one is in bold. Alex Highsmith their linebacker game wrecker. He popped up on the injury report on Thursday with a groin did, did not practice on Thursday. That's something that I know Brooke Pryor was tweeting about. Cause that's a big deal. And then Kenny Pickett after that bone bruise that he went through last week and being limited on Wednesday, he was a full, full participant on Thursday and spoke with reporter Sarah and said that he should be good to go. So instead of Mitchell Trubisky, their primary backup, it sure looks like as of right now, 
barring something unforeseen, the Ravens will be going up against their second QB from Pitt. That second, Highsmith. Second year. Yeah. Yeah. And that Highsmith one's pretty interesting. Yeah. He kind of popping up there. So that'll be one to watch. And we already mentioned it too. Pat Fryermuth, he's not expected mm-hmm. to play. He's been a DNP all week uh, with a hamstring. So that's that as well. And that's kind of the, the, the big picture in terms of what's going on with Pittsburgh and obviously the Ravens as well. What else do we need to discuss before we get to quick hits? Ah, predictions. <laughs> now, let yes. me ask you, Bobby, before we get to that, because by the way, thank you for doing the um, interview with uh, Brooke uh, yeah. without me. Uh, still here in Florida. So I appreciate you yeah. picking up the slack. Can you give me a one minute big picture synopsis of what she revealed and what was like uh, stuck out to you? Yeah, she was she was really good today. I thought that she just gave great insight into Mike Tomlin. And actually, mm-hmm. this just reminded me because I, well, I, this was going to be a quick hit, but we can do it now since you asked. Matt Canada is their offensive coordinator, and he has been mm-hmm. under fire. Under fire. And so the, the sort of the running joke of the interview was it seems like you guys are living in the Greg Roman era that we were in last year, right? Almost like living on borrowed time or, you know, past the expiration date. Like it feels as if the fan base is really starting to push Matt Canada out because a lot of the things that were, were kind of getting knocked on Greg, right? Like a vanilla offense, predictability, not scoring enough, you know, not not efficient enough in the red zone, decision-making, operational flaws, those types of things that kind of did not exactly work in his favor a year ago. And so I went and found the clip, and, and Brooke and I were, were discussing this a little bit. He was awfully defensive, Matt Canada. I guess a CBS <laughs> report, I got it right here. A CBS report last week essentially claimed, based on a one-on-one interview with Matt, that he didn't feel like his team was built to come from come back from, from, from deficits. And Matt did not take kindly to that. Listen how defensive he is in this one. At no point was that conversation meant in that regard. I certainly believe he knew that. Obviously, he was taken wrong, if not. But of all the things we want to talk about and say, at no point do I doubt our players, doubt where we are, doubt we can come back. No doubts. I was literally saying any football person would tell you, you're down three scores with, what's that, 18 minutes to go. you got to start going faster. you got to start being in a two-minute mode. You have to score more points. That's how that came out. And um, certainly everybody in, you know, on the offense is well aware of that. I firmly believe we're built to come from behind. I firmly believe with three minutes still in the third quarter, we were still going to win the game. I firmly believe we'd get a stop and we'd go down and get the ball to Pat or GP or Allen or whatever, make a big play and make it a two-score game. Obviously, if, if we score there, which we didn't, if we score there and it's a two-score game, it's completely different, right? We go out and get a stop. We can still run our plan that we were planning on running with runs and play actions and those types of things. The game's wearing on. Then it's a one-score game. Then you're there. When you're down three scores, it changes how you're going to go about that process. I mean, this is obviously talking only back to the opener. Again, we didn't score enough points. We didn't win the game. That's the bottom line. But that was all that was said. I mean, I, I've stood up here for every time and said whatever it is. You know, I've not placed any blame anywhere but me, but I've said every time I believe 1,000% in our players and our coaches. And if that's not been – I've not been clear about that, <laughs> I think I have been clear about that. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. 
Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the long-winded... That is a man who is fighting for his job right there. Yes. Yeah. But to get back to your original question, Brooke very astutely pointed out that Pittsburgh does not make traditionally, historically, in-season changes to their staff. Mm -hmm. And so she's not expecting a change. Frustrations have boiled over up there. Kenny Pickett is not as comfortable in the pocket, not commanding the offense as he was uh, in small samples during his rookie season after he took over for Trubisky. And so I just thought it was a fascinating conversation, not only, and and I don't want to get into it too much and, and spoil it, but I thought she put on a heck of a, an evaluation of Mike Tomlin having sat in his press conferences. I told him that I told her basically that we admire his Tuesday press conference and the art yeah. that it is, right? Yeah. And she's like, actually, if you think about it, he's doing all of that very strategically. And I'm like, what? And, and so I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go into it because I want to make sure that people take no, a listen. Go it was into really it. fascinating. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to give it away because it's really good. It's essentially saying. Is that is his way of dictating the overall narrative and almost, in a sense, manipulating the media coverage. So it is wow. very, very interesting. I thought it was a cool case study, and Brooke just was very insightful. So I think that those were my two takeaways, three takeaways. Pickett, the lack of change uh, potentially at, at OC, yeah. and um, a human study on Mike Tomlin, if you will. Real quick on the whole thing where, you know, we covered how he um, like gushed over Zay Flowers. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Mink had tweeted from the Ravens that he asked Zay about it. And Zay was like, oh, yeah, I really like he's like, man, I love Mike Tomlin. I've been watching him for years. And, you know, to get a compliment from him is great. And then Ryan's like, so do you feel like he's trying to butter you up? And he's like, man, I don't care. I know who I am, like whether he's buttering me up or not, like it doesn't affect how I play. And I was like, well, that's Zay. That's Zay. All right. Whether it's like. Praise or not praise, all he knows from within who he is. Okay, so let's get into your prediction. What? What did you do it with Brooke? Did she predict anything? I was going to say. So I've already given my analysis. I'll just say okay. my score and then pop it off to you. So I, I had twenty-eight twenty Ravens. What did Brooke have? 
Brooke did not give a score. Gosh, what did Brooke have? All right. So now that's a good cliffhanger. I'll go and watch. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, since you already gave it, I'm going to add a little bit more than my score to give my analysis here. To me, the key to the game is the only way I feel like the Steelers are going to win is if the Ravens turn the ball over. We know that Lamar has been a little bit, he hasn't lost a ton of fumbles, but there's been, he definitely has been clean. I felt like it was better last week. He did have that one exchange with Justice, Justice Hill, I believe, yeah. uh, where like, like between the two of them, it wasn't good. But as I went through those last stats, right, that Lamar has had more turnovers than he has had touchdowns. And so I just don't think the Steelers are talented enough on offense to keep up with the Ravens this Sunday, unless the Ravens um, are sloppy, and we've seen sloppy play this this year, and you know we give them grace because it's a new offense and there's injuries. Uh, but regardless of the grace, the fact of the matter is, it boils down to if the Ravens take care of the ball and they're not sloppy, they're going to win it. So I, I really believe that Lamar is going to kind of start to turn the tide on on his. Um, history with the Steelers. I feel like it's all set up for them. So I'm going 24-17 Ravens. Cool. On to quick hits here. Funny video that you might remember seeing go viral last year, if I'm not mistaken, the last time the Ravens traveled to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pete Gilbert from WVAL. This is pretty good. Yeah, like yeah. he shared this video of essentially some Ravens on the sideline led by Marlon and Calais responding to the terrible towel waving. Watch this. The way they're flying those towels around, they're whipping them. Calais, JPP, Marlon, Brent Urban. I mean, don't you miss Calais, man? That makes me miss Calais. I do miss him. But I love the idea of like in the very moment that people are trying to like beat you down, you you like you take control of the situation and own it and own it. Like, no, this momentum is not yours. This momentum's about to be mine. You watch. Yeah, no, I love that attitude. Precisely. Here's a few more notes. The Purple Pants are making their first appearance of 2023, as the Ravens uniform tracker noted on Twitter. It's the white over purple. That's the threads coming up. One of your classics for Baltimore, if you care about that stuff. How about this? The best defense is at keeping opponents out of the end zone this season. So through four weeks, this is according to PFF. The Bills at 11.9% are five. Chiefs, are four at 11.6%. And again, this is the lowest touchdown drive percentage allowed league-wide. Bills, Chiefs, we're going from five to one. Bills, Chiefs, Browns, Cowboys, Ravens, and it's a comfortable margin over everybody Ooh, yeah, it is. below them. You got 6.3%. That's the lowest touchdown drive percentage allowed league-wide. Ravens are 6.3. Bills at five, 11.9. And, and right underneath them at two is the Cowboys at 9.3%. Numbers never lie, Sarah. They have been dominant. It's bananas that Ravens defense is number one in holding people out of the end zone, and the Ravens offense is number one in the red zone. Like It's just, yep. that's a nice formula to win games. No kidding. Let's see if they can keep it up. This is what I was suggesting earlier on in the show, just in terms of logistics for this weekend, if you're in the Baltimore area. Obviously, between the American League Division Series taking place 
and getting kick-started at Camden Yards, the game on Sunday, concerts, there's a lot going on. So the Ravens account said that on Saturday, the Orioles will host game one of the ALDS. It's scheduled to begin at 1 o'clock. M&T Bank Stadium will host the Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks concert at 7 o'clock. The shared parking lots will open to concert goers who have pre-purchased stadium lot permits beginning at 5.30. M&T Bank Stadium gates open at 5.30 also for the concert with the show expected to begin at approximately 7 o'clock. If any unpredictable circumstances arise that will further delay the opening of parking lots at the Camden Yard Sports Complex, we will communicate updates here and email individuals who purchased parking in advance. So I just know there was a lot of questions out there about this weekend, specifically Saturday. So thought just in case you hadn't seen it yet, we could recycle that from the team. Speaking of recycling, we'll finish here. The Ravens productions department and the video have done it again. They have done it again and ahead of a very, very momentous weekend for the baseball team in town. They decided to collaborate on one for the ages here. This will get you fired up for the weekend. It's a sports season in a sports town. How about them Orioles? And how about this for a fall Sunday? The playoffs? And Pittsburgh. This is the week everybody's been waiting for. Ain't the beer cold in Baltimore these days? Go crazy, Baltimore! And last week? The only things colder were the takes about us. Is this the same old Ravens? <laughs> we're writing our story one chapter at a Number time. Number one defense put up three scores in the first half. And an early October lead is barely a prologue. But sweeping our road division games with the city painted purple and orange? Now that's a script we'd like to dive into. Did he? It is caught! Yes! Soak it in, Baltimore. Appreciate these moments. Got a fun month coming up. We've got everything we know. We just gotta take it. See? <laughs> Soak it in is right, man. I mean, my goodness. Playoffs for baseball. Ravens are three and one as an opportunity to like sweep on the road in the division. Uh, what a, what an amazing weekend. Just have a blast this weekend. I hope everybody has a blast in Baltimore. <laughs> it is going to be a whole lot of fun. And I hope to see some of you out there at game one on Saturday. Obviously we have our duties on Sunday, so we will just be handling business as needed. I think it's a four o'clock first pitch on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll probably be able to catch the second half of game two of the ALDS, which I'm very much looking forward to. But yeah, uh, Sarah, have an awesome rest of your trip in Florida. We'll Appreciate be back it. in action, of course, for our post-game live stream. And before we jump, we want to make sure we shout out and thank uh, not some of our newest, as this says, because they are literally the first ones we've ever had. Our two OG returning patrons this month, that's Patrick York and Sarah Kendall. We appreciate both of you for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond from the jump. And if you guys are interested in doing the same out there, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering, especially if you are a small business owner in Baltimore or outside of Baltimore as well. Could be a good opportunity to get involved with us and also showcase 
what you do for the community. So with that, this is your Friday morning vault edition in the books. Sarah and I will be back, of course, together, like I said, for the post game after Steelers Ravens. And I will have your pregame show at 12 noon on Sunday.